Folks, welcome to another episode of Kicking Grass. I am your one of your hosts, Rob Novak, here with David Walding. Hello, well. hello. Uh, and we're here to bring you what we think about what's happened in soccer in the last couple of weeks here. <laughs> um, a lot of stuff has happened, a lot of interesting stuff, a lot of not so interesting stuff, but uh, let's get into it. I guess we're going to delve into some MLS action first uh, and see how Austin FC has been doing. Yeah, absolutely. But before we do that, Rob, I got to ask, what are you drinking? What am I drinking? <laughs> I'm drinking, I'm drinking water at home. Oh, that's uh, so boring. <laughs> I know we've, <laughs> sorry, we're, we're not at our usual location. We're avoiding the weather, I guess, today. And I, and I had some scheduling conflicts, but so we're, unfortunately we're not at South Austin Beer Garden. So I do not have any beer in the house right now. <laughs> Just yeah. a little sad. So yeah, we're unfortunately not at South Austin Beer Garden, but I am drinking, just so you know, uh, it's a got? homemade apple soda with mm. a micro distilled apple whiskey from oh, uh, nice. Deep Eddie Vodka Distillery. Oh, I didn't um, know they did micro whiskeys. That's nice. They, they have their own whiskey. This is not available in stores. It's a special brew for my son and myself. Um, and this is just absolutely insanely amazing. I'm going to have to make it for you one day. But yes, I just please. wanted to get a give a shout out to to Deep Eddie for this one because boy, this is good. Awesome. Well, thank you, Deep Eddie, for that. Uh, I'm gonna have to look into that. That's, that sounds really cool, and I can't wait to have one. Yeah, I'll I'll hit you up with that. I've got that, and they do a, a there's a pineapple whiskey I do with a jalapeno infused. So I'll I'll get you a couple of those, and you can give it a shot. Yeah, I'll t- I'll take that. I'm but for jalapeno infused. That's not soccer talk, but it's close because it's alcohol. So <laughs> yeah, that's alcohol right. and soccer is a good mix, right? Damn skippy. So we're going to get to uh, CONCACAF a lot today, which I think is the big topic of the moment. Yeah. So I'm going to hit a uh, egg timer on us. Rob, you ready for the All egg right, timer? Let's do it. Let's do the egg timer. All right. So I will give a big rundown on MLS. I think we didn't even mention last time about uh, FC Dallas has parted ways with their coach. Mm, so yeah, uh, Luchi Gonzalez is is out the door after that loss to Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, interim coach takes over. They claim this is all to make a run at the playoffs. Rob, what do you think about that? Uh, it's <laughs> pretty difficult, I think, for any of the Texas teams to make a run at the playoffs at this point. I mean, all three are still firmly rooted to the bottom of that table. Um, I, I mean, they need... Uh, 10 points to get above you know the the playoff line at this point and uh, that that's going to be difficult <laughs> they, they pretty much have to win out and get some help and yeah i think dallas was maybe the team that had a possibility of a shot mm-hmm. but um yeah firing your coach that doesn't seem to be the way to get that going at the end of the season not at all i mean fc fort worth maybe notwithstanding in that assessment right. but um i mean they yeah. don't have a bad schedule for the rest of the, i mean they've got lafc la galaxy rsl austin and san jose i mean yeah, i can't see that though <laughs> it, 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 it'd be a tough ask i mean um, not impossible but if they still kept their coach I don't know. 
Right. Now they do have Ricardo Pepe. They do have mm-hmm. Jesus Ferreira. So I think, yeah. you know, and Justin Chase coming on really well. So mm-hmm. they've always got a shot, but I just don't ever see what um, FC Dallas is trying to do. And I think that's the big question. So mm-hmm. we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. They have that um, end of October matchup with FC Dallas against Austin FC. I'm going to try yep. to make the trip up to South Oklahoma and check that one out in person. <laughs> I've got right. a special flag for that game so oh, very nice. it here at some point it might even be moot before then because um <laughs> we'll see rumors are that peppy is going off to germany wolfsburg is the new rumor i'm not sure if that's a done deal yet wolfsburg. but yeah that's the official rumor on the mls website but um i was speaking to actually one of my uh friends who is german from germany um uh and is in our uh, fantasy premier league he he was a little skeptical well not skeptical but a little kind of um you know that may not be the best place for him because they already have a lot of attacking options and he might right. be really fighting for a spot there um so i mean not that he couldn't you know get through and 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 get some minutes um you know he's just wondering if maybe another spot with a little a little less competition would get him some more minutes and you know advance him uh, a little faster but we'll see what happens and I've got one minute left on my egg timer. So All let right. me get to Austin FC because Let's we can actually it. report uh, a win in the last a matchup win. here before the international break. And got that dub. Boy, it just GT in the lineup just makes such a huge difference. You put in the Does regular he? starters, you have an actual striker. They even, you know, have that gains option off the bench. And mm-hmm. boy, they look like a completely different team when they have the right players on the field. And it's, Again, shocking to me how it's taken this long to get that figured out. Wolf has come down to say, well, he's made some errors and he acknowledges and is learning from his mistakes. And mm-hmm. this is what we're going to get going forward. I, I hope so. Uh, we'll see how it goes. They have a match coming up this Saturday against mm-hmm. Minnesota. So I'll be at that match against Minnesota and we'll see how that goes as well. Uh, they've had two weeks rest, so there shouldn't be no player rotations to worry about. Mm-hmm they should be able to just go full force against Minnesota. So we should hopefully get the best out of Austin FC. And again, see if they can make a playoff push. There's a mathematical possibility, but I'm not holding my breath over here. I just hope that they improve the rest of the way and we can see the right coaching decisions from Wolf going from here to the end of the season. Yeah. And I, and, and that's what I hope for the, for the fans anyway. Um, Cause you hate to see the personnel there and not being used properly. And now they kind of finally are. Um, I mean, even though Jate didn't really even get into the playing picture until about a month ago. Um, but still it's, it's good to see. And I'm, and I'm happy for the Austin FC fans that, that they're finally getting to see players do well, you know, and that was the egg timers. So, right, you're up, the egg timer. so uh, you got, you're, you're on the clock. You got I'm four minutes. Clock. To give All us right. everything we need to know about USL and the Mountain Division. And the go. Mountain Division and the Western Conference, yes. Um, I mean, you can't have two central divisions. because yeah. We're not central. I mean, like, Memphis is central. Tulsa is central. You know, like, you know. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Utah is not central. Anyway, uh, yeah, I know. We had some good matchups um, over the last couple weeks. Um, Bold have gone... Uh, win draw loss in the last three they were able to you know get some points over tacoma um draw with uh, okc energy and last night lost um to birmingham which that scoreline is very generous to birmingham um 
uh, bold were playing really, really well throughout that entire game. Um, and just, uh, well, for one Panico got injured at halftime and, and had to be subbed, uh, like last play of the half, the first half. Um, but, uh, in the second half, I mean, even with Faru and, um, they were really pressing forward. There were several really good attempts on goal, um, that weren't just, just weren't quite good enough. It wasn't that the, the, uh, uh, Legion goalkeeper was doing anything amazing to keep us out. It was just the, the shot placements were just barely, you know, within his reach. Um, and I know those players can, can do better, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with this recent run. We're still above the playoff line. Uh, New Mexico's, you know, kind of dropped off a little bit. They had a loss in two draws. So they've dropped several points to our advantage. Um, you know, RGV is still kind of chomping back there. They've got, you know, a, a draw and a win in the last three, uh, losing to New Mexico. So I kind of like that they're trading points a little bit, um, you know, kind of losing points to each other, which is nice. Um, and then drew and, you know, they lost to New Mexico and then they drew in New Mexico. So, uh, you know, they, they don't know what they're, they're doing to each other. So I'm okay with both of them losing, losing points to each other. If it, if it means we're, we're still above the playoff line. So Colorado Springs and El Paso had a barn burner four two score line to, uh, to El Paso. Um, but I mean, Colorado Springs had some amazing goals, some amazing attack, um, and that, I mean, that was just a fun, fun game, uh, all around. So, uh, kudos, kudos to both of those teams, um, you know, staying in that, in that playoff picture, El Paso clinched their playoff spot, uh, a couple games back. Um, oh, and no, I, think it was the, I think it was the win over Tulsa and clinch Copa Tejas, didn't it? And, and clinch Copa Tejas, uh, at home against San Antonio. Um, sorry, Harry. Uh, <laughs> but that was a really good game. Uh, with the it was a draw, uh, it was a two two draw, um, but three three enough. actually, I believe, or three three, yeah, that's right, that's right, three three. It was yeah, a really exciting game, I, I it was the prior to that one as well, yeah. but <laughs> but I mean, that's all they needed to get that uh trophy wrapped up. So, kudos to them, El Paso, wonderful job, doing a great job this season representing Texas soccer very well. Uh, San Antonio is still holding their place in second place, um, they've gotten you know a couple wins in the last few games, um. And, uh, you know, they're just kind of staying pretty even, you know, uh, nothing spectacular, but they're, they're getting the, they're getting the job done and they're, they're sealing their, their playoff spot for sure. So you're still hanging on to that prediction still, right now. In I position. Am, absolutely. I mean, if New Mexico and Rio Grande can keep, you know, dropping points, um, you know, preferably to each other, I mean, <laughs> well, they've nice got a and, game coming up, but that's the one I feel like they, New yeah. Mexico will, um, if they can get the three points there and then they got Real Marax, they got three points there. They can get six. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then their other matchup is San Antonio, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah. And then, and we've got a little bit of a tough last four. I mean, we got Monarchs, so that's, you know, um, should be a win. Um, and then we've got El Paso, San Antonio and, and Charlotte Independence. Uh, all three of those are, you know, playoff um, bound pretty much. I think in, wait, did Independence seal their berth? I think they did. Oh no, not yet. They're third in in the um, Atlantic uh, in the Eastern Conference, but they're, I mean, they're only two points behind the Riverhounds, which have sealed their their berth. So I'm sure that Independence will will have their playoff berth by the time they they ride into town for the last game of the regular season. And that was the egg timer. So I think all you're right. out of time, Rob. That's Perfect. all of our USL wrap up today. I'm sure we'll have <laughs> more on USL yeah. and Major League Soccer coming up in our next program. Mm-hmm. Um, but we want to get to the big, 
big topic of the week, which is going to be our favorite. CONCACAF. CONCACAF. Here we go with the CONCACAF. Arrancamos con este segmento de CONCACAF y más. Los saluda su amigo Felo González. Y bueno, en la cima de la CONCACAF se empieza a poner buena la pelea para amarrar su pase directo al Mundial de Qatar 2022. En esta triple jornada, México le ganó a Honduras y al Salvador y empató con Canadá. Y esto fue suficiente para llevarlo al liderato con 14 unidades. Estados Unidos se estaba quedando rezagado, pero con sus dos victorias frente a Costa Rica y Jamaica y la derrota que sufrió frente a Panamá en esta triple jornada ya se trepó al segundo lugar con 11 unidades destacando la gran actuación del goleador tejano Ricardo Pepi oriundo del Paso Texas y militante actual del FC Dallas en la MLS Canadá por su parte comandado en el terreno de juego por Alfonso Davis su gran estrella y soñando con amarrar su pase directo empató con México, goleó al Salvador y a Panamá instalándose en la tercera posición con 10 puntos pisándole los talones a Estados Unidos. Panamá y Costa Rica, aunque no tuvieron una buena triple jornada, siguen atrás peleando la clasificación. Panamá con 8 puntos y Costa Rica con 6. Más abajo también, con una muy mala triple jornada, se colocaron Jamaica y El Salvador con 5 puntos. Y ya en el fondo con una desastrosa participación y muy sorprendente, cabe mencionar ya que Honduras ha sido cuna de grandes talentos, esta vez no ha podido demostrar en las eliminatorias rumbo a Qatar 2022 y seguramente quedarán fuera del mundial por cierto ya cayó la guillotina sobre la cabeza del técnico uruguayo Fabián Coito seleccionador de Honduras ya, ya se notificó y fue cesado de su cargo y están sonando nombres para sustituirlo como el del técnico colombiano Jorge Luis Pinto, así como Alexander Guimaraes, excelentes técnicos que tienen experiencia y conocen la zona de CONCACAF y bueno, esperemos que Honduras levante pasando a otro tema vamos a la Liga MX donde este sábado 17 de octubre habrá duelos interesantes uno de ellos entre Tigres contra Cruz Azul dos firmes candidatos al título también están los duelos en la cima el América visitando al San Luis el Atlas visita Mazatlán y Monterrey recibe a León y aunque hay actividad muy importante los duelos que llaman la atención son los de los equipos que quieren meterse a la clasificación directa que solo hay espacio para cuatro de otra manera tendrían que ir al repechaje ya nos vamos nos vemos a la próxima y como siempre es un gusto compartir este segmento con Cacaf y más, tu amigo Felo González, pásela bien So CONCACAF <laughs> Alright, so we're, we're in our had our little World Cup break, uh, World Cup qualifier break um, and It was good for some. It was bad for others. It was weird for most. I don't know. Um, what, what do you think, David? Yeah, this is, I mean, do we want to launch into U.S. first of all? I mean, yeah, Mexico, sure. Canada, 
tied and then Mexico mm-hmm. won both of their games. I do want to talk a little bit about that Mexico El Salvador matchup. Yeah, sure. Um, but let's get into the United States because mm-hmm. uh, first game was here in Austin, Texas, Q2 yep. Stadium. Q2. Uh, I was there for that. Took one of my friends with me. We were up there, had top level seats on the wrong side of the stadium. I say the wrong <laughs> side because I never sit on that side of the stadium. Yeah. So we're in the quote unquote VIP section. I'm I'm down with the riffraff on the on the other side. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Normally for Austin FC, <laughs> but it was an interesting atmosphere. I thought for a U.S. men's national team game, it was mm-hmm. actually a pretty good atmosphere. I didn't nice. think it compared though to a normal Austin FC matchup. And I think there's lots of reasons for that. Mm. Um, but it was still a pretty good atmosphere. It was electric with the, with the goal scorers. So mm-hmm. when Pepe um, notched it the first and then the announcer picked up and the second time he, he just lit up that stadium on his second goal. So yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was a really, really good atmosphere. It was a pretty decent performance i thought the first half was a little bit sluggish were you watching on tv uh yeah yeah i did yeah and i I can agree with that um you know it just didn't seem like everybody was i mean they might have been kind of on the same page but they were just slow yeah right um just just weren't ready to 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 you know hit out the gate so right Um, but they came out in the second half and i thought peppy especially but um Several of the players had just a really, really strong second half. I thought mm-hmm. Timuea did a great job. I thought, yeah. you know, there was several good performances, especially in that second half. And then they dispatched uh, Jamaica, which is not a very strong uh, mm-hmm. CONCACAF com- competition this time around. Yeah, uh, Not as strong as they have been in the past. They didn't, mm-hmm. except for set pieces, they never really looked like they had much of a threat to pose to the United States in that game. Definitely. Uh, so 2-0, I think that was a pretty good, yeah. pretty good performance for the United States. And it was in a, it was a good performance for Austin for coming out and supporting the men's national team. Mm-hmm. Uh, now downside is you got 90 minutes of Paul Areola mm-hmm. um, that I think we discussed on our last show. Then as soon as Pepe yeah. scored that second goal, you got him taken off and you got Jassy's artists. Uh, yeah. to go along with Paul Ariola. Right. And that was our striker duo. And I bring that up specifically because I thought Ariola had maybe a good start to the match for the first few minutes. And then he probably had 85 to 90 minutes of below average performance. Mm-hmm. I thought Zardis was absolutely God awful in his time on the pitch that, that game. Yeah, it was pretty um, ineffective. Exactly. And then that leads us into game number two down in Panama. And who do we get? We get, we get Zardes. Zardes and Ariola as our starting striking duo. Boy, what do we say about this one, Rob? Uh, embarrassing. Pathetic. God awful. I mean. Yeah, it was an absolutely miserable, miserable game to watch. There yeah. was. Um, and again, I don't want to take anything away from Panama, but mm-hmm. Panama never really played World Cup caliber soccer mm-hmm. in that match. No. Um, again, they it was kind of like Jamaica. They never really looked threatening. They never mm-hmm. really looked like they could score. Oh, and by the way, they didn't score. Yeah, <laughs> We went ahead and Zarda scored for them. So I just want to... Uh, I mean, Point Godoy out. still has the, the the record for the goal, but yeah, but it's 
that was definitely Zardis. I mean, yeah, Zardis put that right on, right on goal. It was zero shots on target by the United States in the game. That is just zero. baffling. That's baffling. Um, so they had more shots on our own goal than they had on our opponent's goal in that entire mm-hmm. game. Yep. He played basically all of the MLS players mm-hmm. and benched the European players. Um, I don't know if it was arrogance, if it was, you know, taking a page out of the Wolf handbook of we don't care about the away games. We're just going to yeah. concentrate on resting players for the home games. I'm mm-hmm. really not sure what it was, but it was really, really, really awful. Um, yeah. So you had the Zardis Ariola combo up top, which was horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't Way have, is up there too. Yeah, you didn't have Adams on the field. You had mm-hmm. uh, Acosta in the middle, and he had a really awful game, I thought, as well. The defense yeah. wasn't on the same page. And I think it's what happens when you have these coaches like Burhalter just rotating their lineup every single game and you never get a set starting 11 or starting eight or nine with some, Mm -hmm. with some players that you can rotate through. And then you're just kind of putting out a different lineup every single game. You never get anything that's cohesive. Yeah. And you're just relying on pure talent. And then when Mm -hmm. you have Zardes and Ariola, you don't have the talent on the field anymore. Second half came along. He started making subs. I thought the subs came too late to make a difference, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't gift 60 minutes to the other team and then start trying to tinker with your lineup, and especially when you'd rotated seven starters. Yeah. Um, you don't even have enough subs to then put in your real lineup and get them up to speed. So, yeah. uh, boy, it was just – I was so – nauseated by that performance by the U S men's national team. It is unfortunately, I think what we always say and what the defenders, what we're always preaching to them. Yes. We're getting points. Yes. We're in qualifying position. Yes. We won the gold cup, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? We're Mm -hmm. not performing to the level of our talent. And it's just infuriating to me to watch a game like that Panama matchup. So uh, you take it from there, Rob, because I need, I need another drink. Okay. Yeah. I mean, all of that I can, you know, absolutely agree with, you know, I, I wasn't able to watch it live. Um, I don't have Paramount plus or whatever. Uh, so, uh, you know, I watched the, the highlights later, read, read several breakdowns and it's, but I, I mean, just that all you need to know about the game is that we got zero shots on target, right? That's all you need to know. And, and well, no, the second part against is Panama. Look at the lineup against Panama, against Panama. Second part, look at the lineup. And then go back to the first stat: zero shots on target. Who and had never beaten the United States in a World never. Cup qualifier since 1938? Had mm-hmm. never won a game against the United States in a World Cup qualifier. And this is the year <laughs> that Panama wins with this Panama team and mm-hmm. this United States team. Yeah, that's the time Panama comes around and beats the United States in a World Cup qualifier. Yep, pathetic. Yep. absolutely pathetic and I, and I don't know I, I just don't understand the rotation the right. idea because I mean especially with the national team you don't have much time with these guys like I'm sorry this isn't rec soccer everybody doesn't need half playing time okay this is a world cup qualifying pick your damn best players they can play three games in seven days or whatever it's it's fine. <laughs> like, they're professional athletes. They will make it happen. 
Well, and I'm okay with some limited rotation. Yeah, but like you said, eight or nine core and then rotate a few, not the whole team almost. But that's why I don't know for sure. It crosses my mind that it might just be pure arrogance on the part of Berhalter. Yeah. That it might that. be, we'll just go down and we can roll out any 11 of our players out of our 27 that I chose. And mm-hmm. any 11 I put on the field will be good enough to beat Panama. And you almost got the sense that, that that's the mentality that they had going into that game. And if it is, that's also pathetic. I mean, that's a bad, bad way to go through World Cup qualifying. And that, that's the same arrogance that allowed us to not qualify for 2018. Absolutely. And I, I don't understand how anyone could still have that arrogance. Like, it, I mean, this, this is CONCACAF. I mean, yeah, there are weak and strong teams, but we should be one of the strongest teams all the time. You know? And, but it, but we should not take that for granted ever. Because and similarly, every team here is going to make you work for that win. Right. And similarly to 2018, where Jurgen Klinsmann, lost in world cup qualifying for the Mm -hmm. first time ever to guatemala Mm -hmm. they did not fire him after that guatemala loss no they did not not make a change until it was far too late to make a difference and i feel like that's where we're at now we're far too late Mm -hmm. to make a change that's going to make any difference because of where we are in the qualifying rounds yeah i mean i i mean i I could see us actually qualifying this time but we're not going to get out of the group stage well, or if we do, I mean, it's going to be one and done. You know, yeah. we'll just get eliminated first, first elimination round. So, yeah, my frustration is that we're vastly underperforming our talent. Our talent mm-hmm. is there to get much further than group stage or, you know, the round of 16. Yeah, it's absolutely management that's holding us back. And absolutely. I don't know when that will change. Well, that's that's the frustrating piece. So then you get to uh, third game of the U.S. window was against Costa Rica. Yep. Now, I think we've discussed Costa Rica is not the Costa Rica that it has been of, you know, mm-hmm. qualifying cycles past. Right. They've got Kaylor Navas. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have a whole lot beyond Kaylor Navas, in my opinion. Yeah. They're one of the weaker sides in the CONCACAF qualifying on a pure talent perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I'm going to turn this one over to you, Rob, because again, we started off this, this mm-hmm. game at home yeah. in Columbus, Ohio, and it was, it was a much better lineup. I mean, uh, the, the lineup oh, yeah. was vastly improved over that Panama lineup. Yeah. I want to see way Pepe Aronson all the time. I mean, come on. That's, I mean, that's, that's a pretty decent, you know, forward line. It's probably the best one we have. We did also um, give up an early goal to Costa Rica and go down 1-0, though. Yeah, we did. But uh, the response was, you know, fantastic. I mean, this was, I mean, you know, to go back to stats, this is the youngest team, you know, we've ever fielded. This this specific lineup, this is the youngest team the U.S. has ever fielded, uh, or at least I think in the last, you know, I don't know, a decent amount of years. But, um, you know, and yeah, they they let one in kind of weird miscommunications at the back there. Um, but they responded and they got the win. So, um, you know, they, 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 they were able to turn around and Dest scored just an absolute screamer of a goal. 
Um, and, you know, and then we were able to wrap it up in the second half. Um, you know, I mean, it ended up being an, an own goal for a novice substitute keeper, but um, I mean, it, it was fantastic play from, from the United States that made that happen. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was a good lineup and, and I think it's, you know, but, but it was the lineup that bailed Burhalter out here. Um, yeah. the, I mean, I, I don't see any, you know, tactical genius moves happening here. It's just, you put the players out on the field that should be out on the field and they won. Right. It was, it was a pure <laughs> talent disparity is what yeah, that was. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, you know, what would third minute, second minute goal be damned, you know, this, this team could, can get a win against pretty much anybody in CONCACAF right now. Well, and that's the issue is besides Mexico, mm -hmm. um, the U S can win in CONCACAF based on pure talent. Yeah. Um, and I would argue that our wins have been based on pure talent, mm -hmm. um, which is why it's frustrating to actually lose a game like that Panama game. Yeah. Because absolutely. that should never, ever, ever happen with this team in CONCACAF. Yeah. And I mean, six, six points out of this window is not good for Bear Halter and it's not good for the team. I mean, sure, we're still in second place, but I mean, we should be still tied on points with Mexico. Um, in my opinion. I mean, that, that was three very winnable matches. You at and least have to get that draw in, in Panama. You at least, least have to be at, at least seven points, you know, right. out of that. At least so, seven points. You know, a, a sweep would have been fantastic, but like at least a draw in Panama. That is, I mean, a loss with no shots on target is completely unacceptable. Yeah. So I guess where do we go in from here with the men's national team? I mean, we limp along, we qualify in second or third place. We mm -hmm. get to the world cup. Is that still how you kind of see it going? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't see this team not qualifying, um, you know, and, and, and I don't, you know, say that as arrogance. I mean, you know, we're through what, how many rounds now we're through, I guess, two rounds, um, six matches played and we're, you know, solidly in second place with 11 points, one above Canada, um, who proved that Panama are beatable. Um, <laughs> uh, thanks Alfonso Davies. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, but, but I don't see, you know, looking at kind of the next, uh, round we have, I mean, we play Mexico next round, but we play Jamaica again. Uh, and then, um, uh, where's the third one? Or do we just have two in the next? Yeah, it's just two in the next. Yeah, we just, yeah, just two in the next window. So we, so we have Mexico and Jamaica. So, I mean, if we can, and, and that's a home match for us against Mexico. So, right. um, and where is that one going to be? TQL. Uh, Cincinnati, I think. Cincinnati. Yeah. So, um, you know, maybe it, it's in November, so maybe a little cold, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> right. um, you know, for, for, for the Mexican players, um, you know, they're used to that nice nice sunny mexico but um uh but they beat us in the cold before i think but you know if, if we can get a a draw out of that one and beat jamaica again in jamaica then i mean that'll be a successful window for us and then uh, i think the rest of the of the qualifying schedule you know shouldn't be that big of a deal for us um you know because it just kind of recycles you know pretty much everybody else i i don't think we have to Play, no we play we do play mexico again in march right um so you know as, as long as we can get good results against mexico these next two times um and 
you know, mostly win against everybody else and not lose against, you know, Panama or Costa Rica, uh, or, you know, even, even, you know, El Salvador, um, you know, then I, I think, I think we're fine. You can almost write off Honduras at this point, but we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> true. Very true. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I see a pretty easy, I mean, not easy, but I, I think I see a very doable qualification without a whole lot of hassle, um, uh, with this roster and hopefully, you know, most of them can stay fit and Pulisic can stay fit. Um, Reina can stay fit. More Reina as well. Um, oh God. I mean, I, uh, Reina Brooks Aronson. How, what do you think? Reina Pepe Aronson up front. I, I would say Reina Pepe Pulisic. Pepe Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I would put him up on that. Usually plays Pulisic in the, in the midfield, but um, I thought, but uh, I have to look at that again. But yeah, I mean, I, any of those sounds scary to me. Um, so I mean, even with those three in the front, Pulisic backing them up. I don't know, but. Uh, yeah. So, but once we get to the World Cup, I mean, there. Let's see. Wait, they're starting the new format at the next one. The one that the U.S., Mexico, and Canada are qualifying with, like the correct, the way more teams. So this will still be the thirty-two teams. That's correct. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I depending on the draw, I could see them getting out of the group. I mean, if we get a group of death, no way, um, not happening. Um, but if we get a favorable group, I could see us getting out of the group and then eliminated first round i mean i just don't see bear halter knowing how to navigate a tournament like that i mean correct you know, he, he did you know gold cup just fine but that's gold cup you know i mean it's you're you're not playing the best teams in the world yeah we're not going to be playing curacao and trinidad and tobago in the world yep. cup. exactly yeah but we may play uh, qatar again so um <laughs> just depends uh on, on the draw but um yeah, it's it's going to be night and day, and and uh, I think you all of U.S. soccer is going to get a massive reality check, and um, you know, I I'm kind of on on the page with with Hurt Gomez saying, you know, yeah, he won, but where is where is the soccer he promised us? Right, that's yeah. I think where it, people who are looking at this as a more analytic, not as like a fan perspective of, mm -hmm. oh, we're winning tournaments. He's got trophies. He's got this and that, but yeah. looking at the actual performance on the field, we're all looking mm -hmm. at it going, this is just not good enough based on the talent that we have available. Yeah. And, and what was promised by, by Bearhalter? I mean, I mean, he said it was going to be an attractive attacking soccer and I just see, you know, the same U S soccer scrappy fighting for wins not necessarily really controlling a game. I don't really see the scrappy fighting from the U.S. this go around, and that's no, part of my issue. I mean, I guess the eking out a win and being able to win against most of the you know opposition—that's what I see. But it's not. Yeah, it's. I, I just. It should be better. The the quality on the field should be better, but you're not going to get that with somebody who's only coached in in the MLS. I'm sorry. Well, let's move on. We've talked U.S. quite enough for we have. for the amount of alcohol I have in my cup. So, yeah. <laughs> um, if I look at the rest of the teams going forward, I mean, Mexico had that underwhelming performance against Canada. They had a 1-1 tie. Mm. Yep. Um, they beat Honduras in the Azteca pretty, 
handily accept that uh, Honduras had a red card. They were playing with 10 men. I thought Honduras was staying with them okay until the red card. After that, there's, I mean, there's not much you can do against Mexico and the Azteca generally, (laughs) but if you're playing down a man, it was, it was lights out at that point. They scored a couple more, make it three, zero, put it away. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I watched the game against El Salvador, which I actually thought that first half, they were pretty evenly, it was a pretty even matchup with Mexico and El Salvador, with the exception that Mexico is so much more dangerous around the goal, getting shots mm-hmm. on target. Yeah, um, They looked like they could score at any moment when they had the opportunity around the goal. El Salvador looked like it was a lot tougher for them to get shots. Yeah, well, I mean, goal. it's, I mean, possession was 54, 46 you know, to Mexico, but shots on target were six to zero to Mexico. Right. Um, you know, uh, uh, El Salvador only got five shots, even just shots, you know, uh, Mexico took 14. So um, well, that's a little know. bit deceptive because what happened in the second half was then you got uh, El Salvador got a absolute joke of a red card and they were also down <laughs> to 10. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you saw that, that I red know. card. I didn't. No, not yet. Boy, that was El Salvador in the last couple of games have really gotten shafted by referees. Um, yeah. Against Costa Rica, I would say as well, but definitely against Mexico. That there's no planet where that would be a red card. Offense. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, and I I watched that penalty call um, against Costa Rica, and it's a little, it was a little baffling um, to me. I mean, what I mean. Yeah, so let's talk about that first. What did you think about that penalty call? I sent you that to get your referee eye on that. Um, I've heard a lot of people, uh, especially Hondurans, interestingly enough, because it was a Honduran ref, say that was not a penalty against Costa Rica, that the ref gifted the game to Costa Rica. Uh, And and I I can see that. I mean, because it's it's very weak. And I I think if if VAR had been there, it probably would have been overturned. But I think the referee on the field could – make enough of a case to sell it because there was contact uh, from the goalkeeper on the attacker. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ball had gone, like the attacker had knocked the ball like away. Well, from and that the was goal. exactly my question because and, I looked at that and, and saw exactly that. I was like, yes, there's contact. Mm-hmm. However, there was zero possibility that, that he was going to get to the ball. So right. that's kind of the question from a refereeing perspective. If, yeah, if it's kind of like to use the football analogy, if it's an uncatchable pass. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, if know, the ball is nowhere near the forward and there's no possibility that he can get a shot off. Yeah. Then there's contact. Is that mm-hmm. still a foul in the area? Is it still a penalty? I, it shouldn't be. I mean, it, it, and it almost looked to me like watching it, like the attacker kind of, you know, he loses the ball, but then he sees that the goalkeeper's like got his arms out. So yeah. he, then he just moves into the goalkeeper's arms and initiates right. the contact as well. So, right. you know, but, you know, watching it in slow motion, it's very apparent, you know, at, at the international soccer rate of speed, um, you know, I mean, if, if the referee was being, you know, maybe a little switched off or, I mean, which you shouldn't be, if you see an attacker going against a goalkeeper, that should be when you are on the most alert. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't see a reason why that would have been a penalty outside of either bias or laziness. <laughs> uh, so, well, or incompetence. 
<laughs> or incompetence, but I mean, this, this is Concacaf. It could be any of those three. It is Concacaf, but isn't uh, Pierre Luigi Colina the director of referees for Concacaf? So yeah. uh, I, I don't know how you get a FIFA badge under uh, Colina's eye if you're not, you know, if you don't have something. So, um, you know, it, it, but it's you know, it's international soccer, and weird weird stuff happens. But um, you well, know, but then especially you... on those. Then we get to that Mexico El Salvador game, and the yeah, that was a ridiculous, ridiculous. I, red, I need to see this red I'm card. Sorry. It, I'm sorry, I haven't seen it. It was a foul outside the box, near mm-hmm. the edge, near the corner of the box, mm-hmm. and it was definitely a foul. Yeah. Um, but he gave a straight red for denial of an obvious goal scoring opportunity. Okay. Um, with boy, by my count, there was at least two other defenders between there and the goal that could have got um, through there. And it's not like he was, you know, about to shoot on goal or had the goalkeeper out or anything. It mm-hmm. was it, it, to me, a pretty ridiculous, ridiculous excuse of a red card, mm. um, which changed the second half. I mean, it was one zero at that point. Yeah. I, I feel like watching that game, even going down a man that mm-hmm. El Salvador kind of held their own, against Mexico yeah. and then toward the end of the half was when Mexico then got a straight red card yeah, yeah. which was absolutely warranted a you know <laughs> hit to the face of uh, yeah. Marin I think it was and that was absolutely warranted then when El Salvador and Mexico were 10 on 10 I actually thought El Salvador kind of outplayed them from there on mm. with the exception of the penalty obviously but that was right, stoppage yeah. time I mean they yeah. were they were all out uh, that was kind of a stupid, I think, frustration yeah. <laughs> type of challenge in the 92nd minute to to kind of put that game away. Yeah, it's usually um, bizarre. But El Salvador, to me, has been a team that's frustrating because they're not great at scoring. Mm-hmm. And they've been right there in every single game, but they keep dropping these points. And it's a lot of it has been just kind of dumb refereeing decisions that that seem to be eating at them right now and i don't know they're starting to run out of opportunities to turn it around dropping everything to costa rica puts them in a bad position they if they'd gotten a tie out of that game they'd be in a much better position Mm -hmm. right now Um, there's still eight games left so we'll see and i really do like the way hugo perez is Mm -hmm. coaching them up so i think they're still got a shot at qualification But they're second to last in the table yeah. right now, right. Uh, even though they're right there. I mean, they're within three points of four mm-hmm. different teams, right? Right, yeah. Um, last place in the table <laughs> is Honduras. Honduras. Pobre Catrachos. Um, <laughs> so I guess the news out of this cycle was they, um, after the loss to Mexico in the mm-hmm. Azteca, Honduras fired their coach. So Fabian Coito is out. He is no longer the coach of the Honduran national team. Um, they had an, the assistant take over for the game against Jamaica, which I don't quite understand. I don't know yeah. why you would fire the coach after losing in Mexico against Mexico right. with a red card. <laughs> yeah. To then have an assistant take over with two days to prepare for your next opponent. Why you wouldn't just wait and do it after the Jamaica yeah. matchup. Right. Um, because again, I think talent wise, they could have beaten Jamaica but they totally had nothing against Jamaica and they lost Mm. that game two to zero, Mm -hmm. which again, you're not only dropping points, you're not only now last in the table, but 
you're gifting points to the team that you're going up against directly. It's kind of like El Salvador yeah. losing to Costa Rica, then mm -hmm. Honduras losing to Jamaica. It's not only dropping points, it's giving points to those two teams who are going to be your direct competition for that three, four spot, I would think. Along right, with Canada. Yeah. I mean, those are the teams you have to have to jump. Mm -hmm. So I don't get why they, I get why they fired him. I don't get mm -hmm. why they fired him that day. I yeah. think yeah. like today would have been the day. Yeah. They maybe absolutely, to fire could Coito. absolutely could have waited till after the break. Um, now I have yeah. talked to some of my Honduran contacts. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously those who are soccer related don't want to go on record, but um, yeah. the opinion was that Coito was not, doing a great job that Coito definitely needed to be fired. But the opinion is also that uh, kind of like we were talking about with Burhalter, it's really too late for them to do anything this cycle. Yeah. And basically everyone I know in Honduras who's around this has given up on this qualification cycle. Mm -hmm. They do not believe Honduras has any possible way to come back from this and qualify at this point in the qualification cycle. They think the damage has been done. The talent hasn't been developed like it should by the national team mm -hmm. and that it's too late for someone else to come in and change enough to be able to get the wins needed to get back into that qualifying three or four position. So yeah. it's, it's all doom and gloom. It's all pessimism. Some of that's Hondurans being Hondurans, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But some of that is, probably legitimate concern that they've again wasted this qualifying cycle and not done what they needed to do and now it's too late to make that change yeah yeah and, which is sad because you know like you said i mean they were you know they, they've got some talent there and you know it, i mean they could be doing a lot better um you know maybe if they, i mean I, I don't know if they could have picked a better coach to begin with or if they could have just you know just given them a little more faith i don't know but well he was uh, out of Uruguay, I believe, and not. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like what you said with Burhalter. It's it was that too much for a coach of that level of experience. He came mm -hmm. from the youth ranks. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure that he was invested in Honduras in the federation. Yeah, um, he was looking at you know, gaining experience and moving on to something else and didn't mm. really know the league or the talent level or the system. So hindsight 2020 always, I'm not yeah. sure that was the right hire. Mm. Um, I remember questioning at the time, actually, if that was mm. going to be the right hire. So I guess it's not all hindsight, but um, I don't know. Uh, that That's disappointing for them, I'm sure. We'll see what happens, though. It's yeah. always possible, depending on who they bring in. Right. They they have a shot at turning around. There's still eight games left. Mm -hmm. um, talent wise, I think that Honduras is behind the United States and behind Mexico on talent. But I don't think there's a whole lot of difference on the talent side. And I do think they're third. I would say yeah. um, other than Davies, other than Kaylor Navas. I mean, who else in up and down the right. CONCACAF? Um I'm really a big fan of Tabacas in El Salvador. I don't see why he's not mm. going to get signed somewhere else, except maybe for the height question. But yeah. <laughs> um, beyond that, I mean, there's not a whole lot in the other CONCACAF teams that you have to worry about. I think that Honduras, the talent is there to be third, if nothing yeah. else. There's not much to say, I guess, about uh, Costa Rica and Panama and Jamaica, except that they mm. seem to be 
benefiting by default from all of this? I don't know. Yeah. Are we missing something? Is there some credit we need to give? I mean, I'll give Kaylor Navas credit. He's yeah. totally kept Costa Rica in games and gotten them points where they had no business getting points. And that's just a Herculean individual effort, in my opinion, by yeah, Kaylor Navas. Um, but from those national teams, are we missing something? Are they doing something strategic or that's a great example of coaching or something that we're just not seeing? Because I don't see uh, anything special about any of those teams. They're just kind of there doing their thing. And it's really the other teams that are faltering that give them their victories. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. Yeah. I mean, Panama being in, in fourth is just kind of <laughs> inexplicable, inexplicable for sure. I mean, but, but if it, it, I mean, if I get equated to anything, it was calm, it was like the, the Premier League season when Leicester won. Um, it was like everyone else blinked, but Leicester just kept doing what they were doing. Right. And and and, uh, and I don't know what everybody else was doing. They were just kind of like nervous, too nervous to try anything. Um but you know, Lester just like stuck to their game plan and and just just head down and, and went forward. And um, you know, maybe that's that's more of Canada right now, um, where they're just kind of getting their head down and you know, Honduras, Jamaica, Costa Rica, they're all blinking. Um, and uh just kind of just give I mean I, I would hate to see Honduras give up because I mean they've qualified before. Um, and like you said, this team could do it again and could do well you know so you know it's just I, I think just it's just one of those weird years where where you know like Canada or um even Panama I don't know maybe they could keep it up who knows uh just just get their head down and get the work done and and nobody else does well I'm gonna have to keep an eye on Jamaica now because I thought Jamaica would be well out of it at this point mm -hmm. um and they're not they're right there yeah. and there's a chance that I know they've got some uh, really strong players in England that mm -hmm. have not been available to them because of COVID concerns. Right. Um, if all of a sudden they can be right there in position and get those players back, they might actually have a legitimate shot of qualification. Yeah. Uh, again, I don't understand how they are doing things like beating Honduras two to zero. <laughs> um at this yeah. point in the competition but i mean they did so i mean they're right. putting themselves in position to where if they get their best players back to that team with you know six games left in the qualification cycle mm -hmm. they could actually make a run and qualify yeah yeah i could see that happening especially if they get those players like you said uh in from england and england can you know drop its you know covid restrictions um yeah but i mean we'll just have to see what what the uk does um so any changes to your predictions you're still going with mexico us and three four is going to be who canada yeah canada i think canada three and you know if if jamaica can get those um players in jamaica four but if not uh then i can see costa rica uh taking that spot um well, not obviously, easily, but but I, I would say like barely. <laughs> obviously, my uh, Honduran we'll thought that they would be competing is probably not going to happen at this stage. Yeah. But um, I'm still going to go with El Salvador. I think they start yeah. pulling these. They've had too much bad luck. I don't know that that continues. I think that mm. they're going to start pulling out these wins against these teams. Now, I know they have uh, 
both Mexico and U.S. still on the on the schedule, but mm-hmm. um, they could definitely beat the rest of the teams in the CONCACAF region. And yeah. so I think as long as they can figure out their goal scoring, I think Enrico Duenas has shown some signs here that he's going to be an outstanding player. Um, and I just like their coaching. So I'm still going to stick with my El Salvador prediction, even though they're right. down toward the bottom right now. And I think they make it yeah. into that fourth slot and go into a playoff. Yeah. I mean, they're tied on points with Jamaica. So, you know, that's not, I don't, I don't think that's out of the question for them. We're we ready to move to our next topic of conversation. So you, you said you had a surprise for me. Um, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with uh, Liga Emekis. Uh, recently about kind of their move towards the MLS model of, um, you know, taking out the promotion relegation, which they had already frozen um, uh, for, for a few seasons, they had said. Uh, now with this new kind of nation's league cup of nation, what, what is, the, <laughs> I don't even know what it's nation's called. Nation's league cup. <laughs> nation's league cup, whatever yeah. that is. Right. Um, to pause, you know, the MLS season, of course, um, for a month to play this tournament. And, uh, you know, it just seems like things are moving closer and closer to, you know, even a merger or whatever. But I mean, the, the main point of contention is this, this freezing of promotion and relegation in Mexico. Right. And to reset for our listeners, uh, yeah. it, it came up with the MLS all-star match because they interviewed, yes. um, the president of Liga MX, who basically said that MLS and the U.S. Soccer Federation, but MLS had the best structure of any league on the planet and that Liga MX was trying to emulate their structure and administration in Mexico because MLS was so excellent in the way they ran things. I quoted pretty much exactly last time this was more of a paraphrase but that's essentially what they were they were saying at Mm -hmm. halftime of the mls all-star match right so you brought up well gee what do people in mexico think about all of this and that Mm -hmm. was an interesting question to me that i delved into and actually got even more interesting uh answers and feedback i cannot wait to hear this so what i'm going to do rob is summarize what i found out talking to people in mexico I also want to bring Felo back in and speak with him a little bit. What I will do is put that up. It's going to be in Spanish. I'll post that separately after this episode, probably in the next day or two, so you can hear the interview with Felo that I did. So anyone who wants to listen to that in Spanish can go ahead and do that. We conducted the interviews in Spanish. But it is a very interesting topic, and I was not expecting that, yes, they believe that MLS is better run than Liga MX and that Liga MX needs to make certain corrections and certain changes in the way they run things to be competitive with Major League Soccer. No, pues si quieres arráncale, yo, yo te voy diciendo <laughs> mi punto de vista para que, para que más o menos ahí, digo, a ver si no no te revuelvo más, ¿verdad? Porque es que son temas muy controversiales y, y, y de sí. mucho choque. It is interesting. It is a very interesting perspective that I wasn't thinking of. So I got uh, the answer that the lack of promotion and relegation was a bad thing that was harmful to Liga MX and to Mexico and soccer in that country. Mm-hmm. 
and simultaneously that the lack of a limit on foreign players was destroying uh, soccer in Mexico. Mm. Um, so kind of the two combined, which is also an MLS rule, by the way, no foreign yeah. players. Mexico's always had a limit on the number of former foreign players in the roster. Right. Yeah. Get away with that kind of at the same time. So these go hand in hand. Right. Right. Um, and so all of those changes were horrible for soccer in Mexico. Mm. And then I said, it came up because of the president of Mexico saying they wanted to emulate the structure and administration that MLS had. Mm -hmm. And I got, that would be absolutely wonderful that MLS is a wonderfully run league, much better than, than Liga MX, and that they were all in favor of emulating MLS in Mexico. And so then I had a disconnect. Huh. It's like, yeah. well, I, I'm totally confused now. <laughs> because you say you want to emulate MLS. Right. What the thing what they're doing to emulate MLS is getting rid of promotion and relegation and re not restricting the number of foreign players on the roster. And you say both of those things are horrible. So yeah. help me understand how can you say what Mexico's doing is bad and what MLS is doing is great when they're trying to do the same thing. Um, and that's where it got really interesting. So the perspective mm -hmm. that I got, and not from, you know, from a handful of people in Mexico, this wasn't mm -hmm. an isolated opinion. Yeah. Um, and it's something that had never occurred to me is that Mexico is not able to compete with MLS for the best players and specifically for the best Mexican players, which kind of shocked me. So I got a lot of, I'm gotten more interested in major league soccer than in Liga MX because they've got Carlos Vela, they've got Chicharito, they've got Pizarro, they've got all of these, what they consider to be the best Mexican stars mm -hmm. who are not in Europe. They're all yeah, in major yeah. league soccer. And they see Liga MX as suffering because they cannot compete with major league soccer for the best and brightest Mexican stars. So that's mm -hmm. why they say league MX needs to change something and emulate MLS to be able to be on an even playing field. You know, right. they can't get the Zlatans in Mexico. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, you know, they're bringing in players now um, from South America, mostly Argentina, mm -hmm. Brazil, um, Colombia to sell them on. And they're losing the, you know, the Dos Santos and they're losing mm -hmm you know, the Pulitos, and they're losing all of those type of players to Major League Soccer. And that's really been the perspective as to why they don't like what's going on in Mexico, but they are in favor of changing it to emulate Major League Soccer. So mm -hmm. I am still kind of confused about all of that perspective, but it actually does put a different kind of spin on things that I hadn't really thought about. Yeah, it does make sense when you look at it through that lens if they're saying well look you know our top players are going to mls not even you're i mean you know right. lozano's in, in in napoli or whatever you know and they've got a couple other players over there i mean chicharito was at man united and a couple other european teams um so but but he's come back to la you right. know but i mean i i can understand that sentiment but mexico doesn't have i mean they have mexico city but there isn't 
you know, there isn't Miami, there isn't LA, there isn't New York, there isn't Austin even like, like, you know, what, what, I mean, that, I mean, cause that's what attracts these players to MLS is, you know, I mean, was a lot of time just wanted to live in LA for a couple of years, you know? And, and I mean, and, and, you know, I've read plenty of, of interviews with, with, you know, the European players that, that do come over to MLS, you know, and they actually kind of enjoy being a little bit anonymous here in the U S correct. As well. yeah, I've heard that. as so, well. you know, and, and, and I mean, if they did go to Mexico, they'd be just as mobbed as they were in, you know, Barcelona or Manchester or uh, Berlin or where, you know, wherever um, Munich. And uh, you know, it, it, so I mean, I, I can see, you know, their perspective, but I think they've got some blinders on and, and I, I, and I, and I think, you know, I, I can sympathize with that position, but I don't think changing the structure to MLS is, is really going to move the needle for them. Um, now, if you want to talk blinders, um, <laughs> here's the next step in the blinders okay. um, for me, because you and I both are intimately familiar with uh, the youth system in the United States. Yes. I also got feedback that our youth system and our development of young players was far superior to the development of the talent in Mexico. That makes zero sense. That I, I, it makes zero sense to you and me. But then when I talked more, which is why I say they're blinders, because I don't think they're really getting it. They're looking at the level of talent on the national teams and the young talent from the United States specifically and saying the young talent coming out of the United States is noticeably superior to the young talent coming out of Mexico and attributing that to the development system of the MLS academies. And I'm not, uh, I certainly don't agree that the United States does a better job at developing young talent than Mexico. I do acknowledge a lot of the problems I was being told in the Mexican system, which is it's a lot of money is very influential and it's a lot of who you know and it's status and it's, you know, more of a uh, system of class in a lot of respects than it is about earning your place at the Academy in Mexico. Mm -hmm. Um, I totally understand that those are all issues in Mexico. I think they're not understanding that those are also problems in the United States. And that while I'm kind of shocked that they acknowledge that our young talent at the national team level is better than their young talent, that actually surprised me that they could see that and agreed with that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think that they're getting that our young talent is pretty exclusively developed in Europe. It's not being developed here with the noticeable exception of Dallas, FC Dallas Academy. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and, and FC Dallas has always has been on it almost from day one um, with how they've, they've brought up kids, but like, you know, it's, but they're like the only ones, right? Really? I mean, it's, it's, you don't (laughs) hear about the storied Portland Timbers Academy, you know, uh, the, the storied Seattle Sounders, I mean, cause the Sounders have been around since the seventies, basically, uh, with NASL, you know, and, and they've had a presence in Seattle for that long, but, it, but they haven't, you know, um, you know, really done anything with it. You know, I mean, I mean, you, you have those clubs that, you know, in other 
countries like you know I, i'm most familiar with the english clubs and so it's like you know southampton uh the academy at southampton the uh you know um the academy at you know leeds for a long time was 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 massive um obviously manchester united's academy and now cities um you know and in in those are actually producing players that are you know really you know they they go on to you know I mean, they get sold to a better club for sure but they've got you know all the qualities that they need to become a world-class player as soon as they leave that academy and I mean, FC Dallas is really the only one that's, you know, produced players. I mean, and, and, and kudos to them. I mean, they've got that pipeline into to, to Germany, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know how it developed. I, I haven't really looked into it that far. But, you know, it's, it just seems like every other week you hear about, oh, FC Dallas sending a new, you know, prospect over to train with Bayern Munich or um, with Dortmund or, you know, Wolfsburg or, you know, whoever it is. Um, and, and it's, it's just kind of frustrating because you're not hearing, you know, um, I don't know, take your pick. Anybody else doing that? I mean, right. no one else is doing it. No one's coming from the, Earth, from the Quakes Academy to go play, you know, go on trial with uh, Marseille. You know? exactly. I mean, Jesus. I mean, yeah, I mean where, where are these opportunities? Why are these kids so hamstringed here in, in the U.S. that aren't in Dallas or um you know somehow exceeding in a, a system despite everything i mean sergeant finally made it over to you know to germany um you know after a couple of false starts um you know yedlin's still hanging around in newcastle so um and and obviously Polish is, is is doing very well at chelsea so uh and of course you know the guys at dortmund so it's 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 yeah i mean i mean they yeah they, they definitely have blinders on it. they think the u.s system is producing Pulisic, uh, Reina, um, Hoppy, uh, you know, <laughs> all these guys. Right, but I mean, we do have a lot of these players that have come through U.S. MLS yeah. academies. Yeah, they have. Because um, Aronson came through. I mean, you were yeah. talking about him. Um, mm-hmm. Richards and Cannon. And I mean, just, you can just go down the list. They look at yeah. like Yedlin even. Mm-hmm. Um, and my point, I was having this conversation on social media. It's, mm-hmm. but all the other, all the other MLS academies they seem to be one-offs. You'll get one or two here or there every so often. And that to Mm -hmm. me is more of being able to identify the talent Mm -hmm. and being really the only real option. Yep. So Mm -hmm. you can get a, you know, Josie Altador into your system as the Red Bulls, because where else is Josie Altador going to play if he's there at the time, right? Mm -hmm. Or, uh, you know, Yedlin with Seattle. Obviously, he was going to go play for the Sounders and go through that system because right. he was just an extraordinary talent. And where else would he go? Right. Mm-hmm. So the other clubs that seemed to be the MO to me in the United States, whereas Dallas actually produces the talent. They actually develop it. Yep. They they are not just identifying one or two um insanely exceptional yeah, talented Starless. players and then bringing them onto their academy they're actually developing them from a younger age and producing the talent that they ship overseas and uh again going back to mexico i it paints everything in an interesting perspective so the perspective again just to summarize is mls is getting the best players out of mexico to play there and the young talent coming out of MLS academies is better than what we're producing. Therefore the 
solution is to emulate MLS because if not, in the next 10 to 15 years, we're not going to be competitive anymore. That is kind of the perspective I'm getting out of Mexico. See, and I would just, I would, all I could respond with that is when was the last time an MLS team won the CONCACAF Champions League? Well, they never have, but <laughs> exactly, <laughs> but there's more to it than that. And it's always a Mexican team. And, you know, yeah, there is more to it than that. But I mean, you can't, yeah, you can't look at a few, you know, bright spots, you know, talking to, to Mexican, uh, you know, fans or fans of Liga Mekis. You can't look at a few bright spots that play in Europe, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, a few nice contracts that, you know, pulled over some of your maybe top Mexican stars to to the U.S. That should actually concern you. Um, you know, I, I mean, if they're doing poorly that should really concern you if they're doing well then that's fine i mean but uh i mean i feel like Dos Santos, the both of those santos brothers did not reach their full potential because they're playing in mls you know and well but they both but, played I mean, in mexico before that so they I both mean... played in mexico before that yes and then they, and they should have gone to europe i mean um but if you know i, I mean I, you can't there if you if you aggregate all the mls teams and aggregate all the liga mx teams Liga MX, he still comes out on top. Oh, I totally agree with you. But... Absolutely. <laughs> All the time. And, and, that, and that's what they need to realize. And I, I think that's what they're, they're losing sight of. But I, but I can understand the, you know, crap. Why don't we have the Dos Santos brothers playing, you know, at America or, or wherever, you know? Um, you know, why don't we have, you know, these guys here? Why are they in America? You know, oh, there must be something about the American system. Well, yeah, they've got designated player contracts and they can be paid well, you know, right. and, and, and consistently. Right. Um, so, you know, and then there aren't that many, I mean, on a, it just comes back to, unfortunately, the, the instability of Mexico and other, you know, Central American countries, um, why those players can't, can't stay there. And it, it, it really makes me sad because they should be there. A majority of them should be there and should be lifting that league up, but. Right. But it also then makes more sense to me why they're going down this path. Yeah, wanting to make changes and merge with MLS eventually, because I do think that's the actual plan. I mean, I can't see how they get off that train at this point unless FIFA steps in. Yeah, unless FIFA steps in. And I I mean, I I guess it's really just kudos to to Soccer United Marketing. uh, (laughs) uh, I've never heard that phrase before, kudos to Soccer United Marketing. Right, and brainwashing the, the Mexican populace to think that, you know, MLS is a superior product. Um, when it's, you know, when it's not, and, and, and let's not kid ourselves. It's also about team owners making more money for themselves. Yeah, it, so. is, it is absolutely. And it's, you know, and, you know, and, and that, that assurance of never losing. Right. Exactly. Completely, you know, right. You know, so it's, it's sad. I, I can understand it. It's, I, I hate that they have that perspective because of those players, you know, in the U.S. who have succeeded and, you know, kind of those um, players MLS has sucked away from, from Liga MX. So, but I, I get it. I get it. I can see it. Well, we're about out of time here. So I'll give you the last um, segment. Is there anything we've missed or anything that you want to bring up for our fans? Uh, I don't think there's anything really that we missed. I think we touched on everything we really wanted to touch on um, here. I would just, um, 
yeah, still encourage you guys to go support your teams, whoever they are, you know, show the players some love, whoever it is. Uh, and, you know, keep enjoying soccer, you guys. And I promise that we will have more information next go around on NISA. There's still time to get to us about which team we would support. I think uh, Rob's Detroit City is in the lead currently, but I'm oh, open yeah. to any other perspective. We'll talk more about the Lobos and we'll talk about the Gulf Coast Premier League some more as well. But we really wanted to dedicate today to more of the CONCACAF discussion. But we'll we'll hit on other topics next time. For sure. Sounds good. So that's a wrap for me. This is Dave signing off. And Rob, thanks for listening, folks. See you, See next, you next time. time.